0: Hey friend, I'm Leanne Goff, your transformational coach. Every week, I'm here to help you make radical progress in your spirit, in your mind, in your body, and in your finances. Let's dive in. Hello friend, um, welcome back to another time with Leanne Goff, the transformational coach, your transformational coach, um, spirit, soul, body, and finances. And I'm so, so blessed that you have tuned in today to hear uh, this podcast. And I have an incredible, incredible, incredible uh, speaker with me today, friend, longtime friend. Actually, he was a part of really thrusting me into my assignment, unbeknownst to him, but we just talked about it, um, into the nation of Cuba now 19 years and 64 trips later. So, um, but I do want to recommend if you've not gotten my recent book, missionary and millionaire transforming cultures as priests and kings please 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 go to amazon and get the book Um, people are telling me it is really flipping their mindset right side up when it comes to kingdom and kingdom finances and that we are not just called to um, be under the anointing as priests but we are called to actually function in the anointing as kings as well it's not just about the heart where the, uh, the, the, the high priest had the, the, the stones on their, uh, the stones of Israel on their epod, but it was also the kings have the stones in their crown. And so we have to feel with the heart, but we have to think with the wisdom of a king. So go to Amazon, get missionary millionaire transforming cultures as priests and kings. And it is, um, on Kindle and audible. And it is my voice. So you get me with that, that audible recording. So all right. And I am super excited to have, uh, Will Hart with us today. If you don't know Will, Will's been with, uh, Wow, he's been with Randy Clark Global Awakening for many many years, but he's also been with uh, Heidi Baker and Irish Minis- Ministries for many years. I've had the opportunity to be in Mozambique several times, preaching a bush bush with Heidi many years ago and being able to teach in the school and um in Pemba Mozambique. So, we all thank you for coming on here today. Hey. I am so super excited.
1: Thank you so much, Leanne. It's good to uh, good to be here with you guys. And forgive me if I look down every so often because I can see you there. I'll try to keep my eyes up on the camera. But uh, yeah, no, it's really, really, really great to be here. Well, uh,
0: I'm, I'm so honored that you would just take a few minutes out of your busy, busy schedule in life to jump in here and to bless our our listeners and our viewers. And I w- Will and I were talking about before he got on here, I was scheduled in um, 2006, it was around January, February 2006 to go to Cuba with uh, Global Awakening. And I'd already been one time a few months before with another ministry out of Monterey, Mexico. And so I saw where um, Global Awakening was going. And I was actually one of the first, I was the third part of the first group, Blake Petlin and myself uh, credentialed with, uh, it was back there was Tango. And then they changed it to Anga for, rene- for, for some reasons. And I won't go into that here, um, but it was a good call. And uh, and so, you guys were going to Cuba. I'm like, I'm going to go with Global Awakening to Cuba. And so, I signed up. I put my money down. And then God showed me um, Global Awakening is going to tra- um, cancel that trip. And about a week later, I get a call from you. And you said, hey, Leanne, this is Will Hart. I'm like, hey, Will, how you doing? And you're like doing great. Listen, I need to let you know we're canceling the Cuba trip. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know. And you're like, how did you know? And I said, well, God told me last week. And you're like, well, why didn't you tell us? Mm-hmm. Um, but you said you can, we can give your money back or you can take, and we have some other trips going up and I coming up. And you guys were going to China. And I said, I want the China trip. And I went, I think it was June, 2006, something like that. I went to China. And on that trip, I, I, I did not know a man named Leif Hetland, but on that trip, I was introduced through Tom Jones about Leif Hetland. And then a few months later, um, at the Voice of Apostles, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, October 2006, I met a man named Lake Petlin. And that was 16 years ago. And it literally transformed my life 16, 17 years ago, do the math. And so and now, Fast forward, here we are. Leif has been my spiritual father all these years, and I, I work worked for his personal assistant, and you know Leif very well. But thank you for coming on here today. It's full circle now. And I, what I want to do first, Will, is kind of give us an update of what is going on with Iris Ministries globally. I mean, it's a yeah. uh, it's a global ministry. It's impacting so many nations. So tell our our, our listeners, our viewers, what's going on with with uh, Iris Ministries.
1: Wow. Well, thank you so much uh, for having me. Uh, it's an honor. And, uh, love Leif dearly. Uh, he is a friend. Uh, he is just someone I look up to dearly. And actually, I don't know if you know this, but Leif uh, is on our board, is on the board of Iris Global. So, uh, yeah, well, uh, I'll try to give it to you in a nutshell. For those of you who don't know Iris Global, Iris Global was started, uh, over 25, almost 30 years ago by Heidi, Dr. Heidi and Roland Baker. They were missionaries sent out to Mozambique. And really, we're on the edge of burnout. And then all of a sudden, had this incredible encounter with the Lord in 1994. And uh, it was the timing of the Lord, and incredible love, passion, and zeal for the Lord stir up in their hearts. And then fast forward all these years. I'm cutting over a lot of really important, amazing part of the story. But fast forward all these years, Iris Global is now a missions movement in Gosh, 28 nations, almost 80 locations, over 500 missionaries uh, globally. And, uh, and we do everything from, I mean, most importantly, we plant churches and preach the gospel. We're not an aid organization, but we do the work of Jesus. So we are there to preach this glorious gospel. And, uh, and as we do, uh, serve those who are around us. And so we have schools, we drill wells, we feed, I've heard anywhere from 15 to 40,000 people a day. It doesn't matter. We'll just say 15, the Lord knows, but a lot of people every day. Uh, We're building currently a university in Northern Mozambique and yeah, we're growing at a breakneck pace right now. Um, We're a tribe uh, that has five core values and people always ask, what makes us different than YWAM or anyone else? And there isn't a lot, except I would say our five core values are really what, What define us, um, and very, very, very focused on his presence. Nobody wants an angry missionary, and we can do nothing outside of him or his presence. So we stay on our faces and try to uh, try our best to, to, to serve him as we do that in that place of rest and that place of peace and that place of loving him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, and we've seen just revival in the nations. Thousands of churches, over 5,000 churches planted already.
0: Wow. And what is your responsibility with Iris, uh, Will?
1: Yeah. I'll tell you my title, even though I don't. Titles are important, but uh, I consider myself a missionary uh, with the rest of our team. Um, My official title is CEO, um, but I I just consider myself a missionary. Um, I'm just the one that takes the blame if things go wrong.
0: Yeah. So, there has to be a title so somebody knows who to go to. (laughs) It's time to. I
1: love it. I've learned a lot about leadership uh, in this season. And and leadership is take the blame when things go wrong and the team gets the praise when things go right.
0: Wow. Wow, wow. So, you know, I've, uh, over the years, have had the opportunity to be in Maputo. I remember going there, I think it was sometime in 2006, um, 2005, 2006, my first time. And um, I was in Maputo, and at that time they were feeding at that one particular um, center, five hundred children a day. And I got to be a part of that, and then blew up after about four days up to Pemba. I've been able to uh, speak in the school there, the pastor school in Pemba, uh, preach in the bush, bush with Heidi. I mean, this is years ago. I've, I've been several times, but it's been quite a while. But I tell you, I I think one of the most impacting moments for me is being in the bush, bush, and uh, some of our team members had brought bottles of bubbles. And they took them out and, and the, the it was so bush bush that people started running because they never, or you take out your camera, that's how long ago this was, cameras, took out the cameras and the lights, the flashes would start going off and they'd run because they thought you were stealing their spirit. And so, you know, Heidi and Iris Ministries has gone into the deep of the deep of the deep oh, yeah. of the deep. And, and, and Iris also has um, ministry schools or mission schools. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, uh, we have uh, missions training schools around the globe. We have an online training course, um, which isn't a full school, but it's like really, if you want to get the heartbeat and DNA, you can. That's our online missions uh, training. Uh, and then separate from that, we do schools all around the world. Uh, one, the main one that we have is called Harvest School, and we do that twice a year. But then all spread out throughout the globe, we have different locations that host schools as well. And really, the heartbeat is get trained on the field amongst the poor, the sick, the needy, and the broken. And as so many places get trained in a classroom, um, we don't believe in that. Uh, yes you can, but we believe in going and serving the poor, the sick, the needy, and the broken. There isn't a better place to learn how to serve than when you are stretched uh, to your capacity. And we, and, and we find that God does the most in those places. So we, we, uh, we have one in Portugal, we have one in Brazil, we have one that's about to start in Nepal, we have one that's about to start in Japan. Um, different, different locations run different schools. You can, go on, you can go onto our website and find the different courses or um, mission schools globally uh, that, are, that, are, that are running. And we just got back from the Israel portion of one of our schools like a week and a half ago.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. And But where do they go? What website, if they're interested in one of the schools, where do they go to?
1: Yeah, irisglobal.org. Um, I-R-I-S-G-L-O-B-A-L.org. And you can also follow us on uh, Instagram. We're irisglobal. Make sure that you pick the irisglobal one. Uh, it's a blue, uh, dove, like a blue image with a white dove in there. Why? Because we have like a lot of iris bases that have their own. And, and they there's a lot. You type in iris and you'll find a lot. Uh, and you can also follow me, Will Hart Min, at Will Hart Min, M-I-N, H-A-R-T. Will, H-A-R-T, M-I-N. I said that in the most confusing way possible. Um, <laughs> and I'll post stuff about uh, upcoming schools as well.
0: Yeah. So Will Hart, M-I-N. And yep. is it dot
1: uh, org dot com? Uh, that's my Instagram at Will Hart. OK, uh, I okay, don't have Instagram. a website anymore. I okay. mean, there's one up no. there, but I haven't looked at it. Yeah, uh, my whole life is is serving unto Iris. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you can go I to, to Iris, Irisglobal.org. dot org.
0: And, you know, you're talking about the leadership, the best leadership training is actually on the field. You know, you know that I, I worked for late for five and a half years and mm-hmm. been in ministry, pastor, da, da. And people ask me all the time, did you go to Bible school? Did you go to, you know, um, seminary? I'm like, no, I went to training for raining with a man named Lake Petlin, and that yeah. was enough. Yeah. But our family in, um, 1984, we started on the mission field and youth with a mission, uh, in YWAM. Mm-hmm. And so our kids, we called our kids at that time, we whammers, they're 43 and 45 today, but they were just little kids. But I tell you what, you want to build uh, leadership uh, skills, you take a, you, you you join Iris Ministries or you join Youth With A Mission. And I tell you what, it was on, we were in the war zones of Central America, mm-hmm. held up in the deserts of Mexico with guns. I mean, it was like, it was like really on the field training and it really, uh, it either it either woke you or it broke you. So um yeah. Thankfully, I think it uh, it almost broke me sometimes, but it woke me. So, all right. So, you just mentioned that uh, you got back from Israel uh, about a week and a half ago. I was following you and Heidi on Instagram, and you were in Israel when the attacks, the bombings started, and all this stuff began to happen. What was it like there, Will? I've seen some of the videos, obliged. Um, what was it like there for you guys during that time?
1: So, um, we had so for Harvest School, um, be- we uh, blah, 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 there's a lot. Okay, so our normal school has been in Northern Mozambique, Harvest School. We bring people there for training. You said you you had spoken at that as well. So, you know, we had this school that was running out of Northern, Northern Mozambique, but about five years ago, uh, ISIS basically started coming into Northern Mozambique, killing our pastors, killing our leaders, and we could no longer hold our school there safely. So, so uh, we started hopping the school around different places. Next thing you know, we really felt like the Lord was having us start it in Israel. So we've done a few schools where we start two weeks in Israel, and our students get a passion for the land, a passion for walking in the scriptures. Right, like like put walking where Jesus walked, and really, it's like a missing piece. Uh, somebody described Israel to me once as the fifth gospel, and I, I thought it was a great explanation. It's like wow, it brings wow. such a depth to the word. And our walk. And so we've been doing uh, our first two weeks of the school there. So we had uh, a harvest school, which I think had about 56, 60 students. We also had some guests with us as well. So we were a team of about 70 in Israel uh, when things broke out. We had just come down from the Galilee and we were in Jerusalem. And uh, the night before, surprise Sitole, who's one of our leaders, he's, he's an amazing man, an amazing revivalist uh what i love about surprise one of the things that i love about surprise is that he um he speaks 14 languages 12 of which he got supernaturally right wow. and and or maybe it's 15 now because he's learning um hebrew and so he was in israel separate we didn't even know this as we were there so he's in israel the day before the war broke out we're together in a prayer room in Jer- in jerusalem and he gets up and he begins to share a word and he and he said the clock, the, Israel is the world's clock. He shared this word the day before. Um, Israel is the timeline, and uh, he shared a few other things which I can't share, but some stuff that the Lord had shown him, and and it was it was really powerful. We go to Shabbat dinner at a friend's house. I go to bed uh, at the hotel with where all of our students and all of our team is. And my wife was with me as well because a year ago, two days before we were supposed to go to Israel, a year ago, she got diagnosed with cancer. We found out that cancer had come back. So she's now in full remission. So this was like our hey. redemption trip. Yeah, this is our like wow. redemption trip. Wow. So uh, 9 a.m., I wake up or 8 30, something like that. I wake up to sirens going off. And okay, Leanne, I've been in war zones before. Okay. I've been in the Congo. I've lived in I lived in the Congo. I've been in the Mozambique during the middle of the war there. I've also been in some other sketchy places guns pulled on us, knives pulled on us. And when you go in with a foreknowledge that that's where you're going into, there's a certain readiness that you have. But, you know, I'd been, this is my third trip to Israel in 12 months. And uh, when the sirens were going off, that's the first time I had heard them. And, you know, the first thing that went through my head was, oh, it's, you know, a fire alarm or something like that. And then like off in the distance, you can hear these explosions. And then all of a sudden on our, on our text thread that we had with the school, Hey, this is the, this is the bomb, get to the shelter. And by the time I woke up, cause I'm pretty calm anyway, I'm like, whatever, you know, it sounds like it's in a distance. You know, my wife's a little bit more tense than I am. By the time we actually made it out, there was a guy walking through the office is like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So we head down to breakfast and we're sitting there like, that was crazy. What man, I've always heard that this stuff was happening. And then people are on their phones, and and a flood of information is starting to come in. So we're about maybe 20 minutes into breakfast and the the sirens go off. And this time the sirens were close. And so I'm still kind of like the brave, you know, like whatever, you know, uh, you know, I've been to war zones and I saw. It shifted when I saw like locals that were there running, and moms like with their kids, their little children, like running full steam down into a shelter. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing whatever I can to get everybody in front of me. Right, send my wife in, send the the women and children down first because it was a set of stairs that went into the first bomb shelter. That, That was right where we were near. And all of a sudden, boom! Right over our heads, a massive explosion. And you could feel it It shook the building, you know, you, you, and all of a sudden this thing becomes real. Not that it wasn't for other people, but just for me, it was like, oh, okay, we're actually in the middle of this. We go into the bomb shelter and we're comforting families and we're comforting kids. And I'm trying to comfort my wife and, and we're figuring it out and, I'm, and we're on our phones and we're realizing what is actually taking place. So this is a full scale invasion uh, from gaza were, were in real time and so because we had all of these people that were coming off of this holiday you had travelers and visitors from all over the world in the hotel that we were at so we were about 25 minutes 30 minutes outside of jerusalem on a little peninsula maybe about i don't remember i heard it was like a 40 minute drive to gaza uh not not far but it but israel is pretty small so for that whole first day we're going in and out of the bomb shelter and we do what we do best right as a team we worship we pray and uh and then for me i started developing an it's et- and it's et- an exit strategy in case we needed to get out and uh this went on for the next 3 days in and out of bomb shelters um the second do you want me to keep talking or I don't yeah,
0: know. I, I'm enthralled. I'm just like,
1: you okay. know. No. So, so the second day, the first day, so war was going around. I mean, it was hitting Gaza. There was missiles everywhere. And um, man, I, I want to pause and say this for all of you who are listening. Um, I, It's hard to impress me after all these years. Like I've seen a lot, I've been around a lot. The Iron Dome is a modern day miracle like if if it wasn't for the iron dome i don't know if we would be here i don't know right cuz it's it's intercepting the stuff before it even hits so you don't really know but the few that landed very close to us and there were some that landed very close um the iron dome is 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 miraculous on a level that that i've never i've never experienced so it was going off i it would go off all day all day around and yeah um, i
0: i saw in the news last week i think like it just in one segment there were like three thousand that um you know missiles and stuff that it took out in just like one day
1: oh yeah yeah it was i think the first day they said around three to five thousand uh but over the this entire um time it's taken out, I think the numbers that I heard this morning are close to uh, 7,500 rockets that have been shot. 7,500. And then it knows, it's so intelligent, it knows when they're close, right? When they're going to hit like a forest or the ocean. But like that was, oh man, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Wrong camera. Yeah. I don't know. That's like, that's one that went off not too far from us. Um, and then as we came out of the bomb shelter, I'm sorry that th- this isn't the best, but the- these are what's over our head and you could wow. tell, but these are the, these are the, the missiles. These aren't the ones that went off over us. These are just like near us. The ones that were over us, we were in the bomb shelter on our way running. So I didn't stop to take pictures. Right. Um, so over the next, over the next, uh, day, we're pretty much on edge trying to, the first day we're trying to just gain, gain information. The second day. Um, we continue to do school, right? And we meet in the bomb, you know, near the bomb shelters and we're praying because this this is the deal, Ian. Like love looks like something, right? Doesn't matter where you are, right? If you're a tourist, right, carrying Jesus and they're saying shelter in place, right? So love looks like serving the people that are there, loving on the hotel staff, serving the 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 Jews that 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 are there, the Jewish people that are there, that are there for their holy day, that don't like Christians, serving them, asking if they need help with their kids, like offering water. like It looks like something. And when we didn't have those opportunities to love on people, it looked like us praying and crying out and worshiping in the midst of it. And so that was day two. That's what we did. The whole time I'm talking with some team and g- gaining the best information on if we do need to make a run for the border because we saw that it was ramping up and up and up. Um, and then, uh, day three, day three comes and we had kind of solidified or I'm sorry, day two, Heidi and I, and, uh, and two friends, we went into Jerusalem and did some interviews. There was a bunch of people. So day two, we're doing interviews in Jerusalem and, and Leanne, one of the weirdest things, if I can tell you this, um, as we drove into Jerusalem, this is day two and the worst is coming out. Like the worst news is coming out of Gaza and there's rockets going off all day long. As we're driving into Jerusalem, Jerusalem was really calm and there was like moms with their kids in strollers and kids playing in the park and and it and it it shocked me because the my first thought was oh it's not as dangerous as it is and then it hit me like no these people are actually used to living in this and they yeah. refuse yeah. to let this shape their life i mean it was very very quiet in jerusalem but it it's i think a lot of us in the west we get really comfortable what it is to to live in relative security And yeah, it's shocking. It's shocking how normal living in that sort of chaos can be, but also how beautiful people are at coping being like, this thing won't control me. Like Mm -hmm. we're going to still go out into Mm -hmm. the park. And in
0: in saying that, you know, I I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, a resilience amongst the, um, the Jewish people that I'm like, dang, man, they have resilience. We don't have, like there was, um, a, um, uh, what do you call them? It's not the priest; it's the uh, what do you call the uh, the rabbis? And yeah. they were interviewing a rabbi about a week and a half ago, and he said we got with other rabbis, and we said, okay, Shabbat, we can either just mourn and throw sackcloth and da- dust on us, and da da da, da um, or we can dance. And we can rejoice. And later on, we'll mourn. And he says, we all decided we're going to rejoice and we're going yeah. to dance. And the miss, this was like a, less than a week into all of this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these people, Like, and you're right, they are used to living and you never know what's going to happen any day. And, and we're not there.
1: And not just in I- Israel. And this is, first of all, Leanne, I, I just want to put this out because I know there's a lot of tension around this discussion maybe, and I'm sure anything I say or miss say can or will offend somebody. I want to just say, like, I'm not a professional with any of this. I found myself there on my third trip. But um, so I don't know all the ins and outs. But what I what I will say is this like, as I have been reading and studying, the Jewish community is incredibly resilient because of what they've faced. I read a book by Dr. Michael Brown called Our Hands Are Stained with Blood. And it was an aspect in all my trips going back and forth. It was an it was a view on Christians. It was it was Dr. Michael Brown presenting how most Jews perceive Christians, and I had never heard this before because a lot of the anti-Semitic rhetoric was actually proposed by the Christian Church. Like many of the some of the greatest theologians in Christendom, including Luther, I believe even Calvin, um, they they all had. At times, very anti-Semitic things in their teaching, and so Christians are not looked at as like oh, full of love and we're close. Like Christians are looked at as the ones that propagate anti-Semitism, and mm-hmm. and, and and I never understood this. So there's a, there, this this whole thing's multifaceted and multi-layered. I don't know why I'm saying I don't remember why I was saying that, but the point was, um, I'm not a professional. But I'm learning, and I would encourage all of you that are watching this: go on your own journey and learn, and don't just listen to all of the garbage that's out there right now. There's so much junk where we're picking sides, and and just learn, try to learn the history, try to study up on on what's taken place there. And and so as I go in to 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 Jerusalem, um, we're we're meeting with people, we're doing some interviews, and we're starting to hear, and I'm starting to see the resilience of what happens. When a community gets pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed for years, what rises up inside of them, it, it, it is very, very, very beautiful. And I think just just to be fair, I think some of the arguments I hear from the other side, the Palestinian side, are the same thing, right? They're pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, which I don't fully understand it. I'm not a professional. I'm staying in my lane. But you hear this from both sides, this resilience, and this also this, this, this desire to rise up, right? Rise up. We're, we're not having this anymore. And so I'm learning this day two. Um, day two things calmed down. We didn't have any rockets going off over our heads exactly where we were. They were they were going off all over the place, and uh, but not not over our hotel. Um, so day three, uh, actually, I'm sorry, day two. I got my wife out. I miraculously found a ticket. It was like four grand. I bought it last minute one way, and she was like six hours in the airport got out. The airport is now overflowing with people. You'd have to go six, seven, eight hours early just to get on a flight. And, and then you didn't even know what your flight was going to get canceled. We had a team of, of 70 that was, had now dwindled down to about 60. Uh, and we're trying to figure out if this thing is going to increase and they're going to keep flooding in, are we gonna have to run for our lives? We're we gonna have to make a run for the border. And then, you know, navigating parents and their kids and phone calls and, and all of this, and there isn't a correct answer. And so love love for us looked like like serving, praying, and worship. Love for me looked like being a dad with with knowing that there's fifty-six kids there. Not kids, but you know, students. Some were adults, some yeah, kids, yeah. But students, and like, man, if that was my kid, how would I want somebody to respond? So sent my wife home and I stayed and we're gonna get we're gonna get everybody out of this thing. And what I learned in the middle of all this was everybody had to play their role, right? Everybody had to play their spot. This wasn't a, a one person decision and one person, you know, gets to claim that they, that they accomplished this thing. It was hundreds of people, literally hundreds of people, including our team, all thousands, including the people that were praying and people reaching out, getting connections, trying to get the best information. And on day it was the 10th. um, We, we made our early run for the border and uh and late through the day got out but day three i remember this and leanne i'm just i'll end with this because i could talk for a long time and i don't know how much time we have but day three um things were getting worse you know we saw this wasn't escalating and i so here was the here was the decision that we had to make right do we wait and see if we get our flights out uh on the 12th so three days from now or do we make a run for the border and it costs us a ton of money to to buy take all new tickets and bus everybody out and we could get you know the roads can get shelled as we're driving we have everybody in a bus or do we just wait and maybe the, our flights will be there and maybe you know the airport will still be open and what i loved so beautifully was just knowing that everybody was praying for us, falling on our faces in front of the Lord, leading in worship, leading in service. Man, the Lord just gave us peace. Heidi, myself, the team gave us peace. And and on day four, we made a run. But the last thing, and I will say this, the night before we left, I hadn't told anyone what we were doing, right? Because I didn't want to go on social media and I didn't want like parents to like know and then get disappointed because my the whole thing was we will only go if it is safe, right, and so so the night the night before it was like ten thirty at night, I'm like, guys, first thing in the morning, we're making a run for the border, and we're praying that it's open, but during the day, our team is sitting they're not sitting around, we're worshiping, we're having meetings, but we go, what can we do? We feel helpless, we know you called us here, God, what can we do and When Heidi was in Jerusalem, she was on CBN or TBN doing an interview. And earlier that day, one of us said, hey, maybe we can give blood. We hear that there's a need for blood. One of our tour guides. So Heidi heard this and Heidi's on CBN and she goes, we're our team's going to give blood. And we're like, I'm sitting there going, uh, there's a war going on. We want to give blood, but she announces it. We're going to give blood. And so we go back, and I'm like, "Okay, we are going to find a way to go give blood." We said it. We want to do it anyway. We said it. So our team loaded up a bus in the middle of a war zone and drove to the Jerusalem hospital and waited in line for like seven, eight, nine hours. And they said, "No, you can't." And then someone else come, "I no, you can't." Someone else come, back. you can't." They waited in line. Finally, at the end, somebody said, "Yep, we'll we'll let you give blood," and. 50, 45 of our team that was able to, though other ones couldn't for some reason or another, gave blood. And this is my third trip to Israel. I saw more open doors. I saw more hearts just bare. Like and and I was and I and I was like, man, I read Dr. Brown's book, our our hands are stained with blood. And then I see the Christians who are, who are normally rejected or not, you know, not celebrated, pouring out their blood. Because what does love look like? And I just want to encourage all of your listeners. You know, it's easy to hunker down. It's easy to protect yourself, but in the midst of the chaos, right? What's your role? What's God calling you to? And what practically does modeling Christ look like for us? We couldn't do anything more than what what we were doing and we could give blood and that, I don't know who that blood's going to. it doesn't matter it could be going to palestinians it could be going to 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 the idf it could be going to a grandmother who's in the hospital already it doesn't matter but what i love is that our team was like we we love we love serving we love israel we love what god's doing and we we know that god's going to take this and put it to best use but we saw i saw border agents as we were crossing the border wearing the we gave blood stickers, like our team that, that was yeah. able to break down, melt and cry in our arms. Yeah. I still talk to them. They still text me. Why would wow. you do this? Why would you do this? And we're like, wow. we love, we love you guys and love looks like something. And we know Christians yeah. haven't always, you know, done the best, but, but we're here now. And, and yeah. I just, I just, and then, Next morning we we took off and went into the Jordan where some of our good friends have uh took care of us, took us in and and hosted us for a couple of days. So everybody got out. Yeah.
0: Wow, you know, i I think we we're talking, um, Will, and I'm gonna have you pray in a minute. Not normally I have my guest speaker pray for the people who are listening or watching, but I want you to lead us in prayer uh for a specific group of people here in a moment. Um, but as you're talking, you know, that whole love, you know, you know Leif is known as the ambassador of love in Pakistan. Okay. I've been to Pakistan many times with him. And I remember it was either two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and we were doing Um, A huge crusade a three night crusade in in pakistan and we do the first night and there's thousands of people there and we get up the next morning at our hotel And we're all at breakfast, you know before the day starts and go to our second night of the, the crusade And we're all sitting there at the table and one of our guys says, uh, did you guys hear about the bombings that are going off? And we're like, no, what are you talking about? And the taliban had taken over the um the Pashtun police uh academy about 400 police officers they had taken over buildings they had killed people and they were just and people we were in a five-star safe hotel but in mm-hmm. you know in because there's no nothing that's really safe but the business leaders uh, our businessmen were coming into our hotel from others for safety and so um i mean it just became a, a mess and so late came to me and he said um he says let's ask every team member see if they want to get out of here And so I gathered everybody in my hotel room and I said, we want to make a way. We're going to try to get you out of here. Now, the point is, just like when you were in Israel, people back home were hearing reports before we were hearing them. And so our families were getting the information before we were getting the information. We were almost getting it secondhand. And so I said, the whole team, I said, do you, we'll, we'll try our best to get you out of here if you're ready. And we were only halfway through our trip. And all of them said, no, we're staying. No, we're staying. And I remember we went into prayer and we we went into soaking. And you know what soaking is. That's just being still in God's presence. Well, we eventually called it sloking because just because we got so peaceful in God's presence that we fell asleep. We were on the floor. We were just anywhere. We just all fell asleep. And, you know, I thought about that scripture that says, you know, when you can sleep in the midst of a storm, you know, Jesus in the storm, when you can rest in the midst of a storm, and Jesus even slept, and he had a pillow under his head, which one of the gospels says, like, that's really knocked out, okay? But when yeah. you can rest in the midst of a storm, you have authority to stand up and call this, uh, the peace to the storm. And so we all stayed, but you know what the beauty was? is that because we decided to stay, one of the top imams of Pakistan came to Leif and said, I'm going to stay with you in your, your hotel room. I'm going to make sure that you're safe. And he has, because of that moment, even though two nights of the crusade was canceled, we couldn't do it. And there was a, something out all over the news for us and stuff, especially late. But because of that, his favor in the nation went way up. His, the barometer of favor for him just went way, way up because people were like, wow, you'd stay here? Like, you're not trying to rush out of here. And so, actions speak louder than words, okay? And those actions of love are profound, and they can win the hearts. That was Esther, Daniel, and Joseph because of their actions. They won the hearts of kings, rulers, and Pharaoh Daniel, three kings. And then they were able to start touching their minds. So. Oh my gosh, you've just got me so enthralled in what you're sharing. And what I'd like to do is we conclude here, Will, and thank you so much again. But the, who I'd like you to pray for, again, we normally are, you're praying for the people who are listening watching, but I want us to take time today. And because this is, that you've just come out in the very midst of all of this. I want you to lead us and everybody that's listening, watching. I want you to lead us in praying for the major decision makers in our country, in Israel, the alliance companies, uh, countries that we're with, and pray that they will have a baptism of wisdom in the midst of all of this, and that God's will, God's kingdom will prevail in all of this. So, brother, you just take it and lead us in prayer. We're going to join you in that
1: prayer. Can I just share one very, very quick thing? So, I landed from Israel. I had two days at home, and then I went to Voice of the Apostles in Virginia. And after, after being there for three days w- with Leif, Leif was there, um, I went to D.C. to speak at a church. And I ended up with a couple of friends being invited into the Senate. And we got a tour from somebody that works, uh, one of the, one of the head, head policy writers. I'm not going to go into too many details. And and so so it was like Israel, then like revival meetings, and then the government. And I met with, I actually, along that route, I met with somebody incredibly high up. I can't go into too many details, but mind-bogglingly high up in the government and in somebody that moves and shakes. And here's, as you were sharing, I felt like I want to pray for those spirit-filled believers. And all of them were spirit-filled, like, and they're there. And like the, there was a YWAMER that reached out to me, former YWAMERS that, man, I can't uncover. So I can't tell you where, but like in this whole thing, in this whole story from Israel to here, like the amount of people that God has instilled, like has installed in the government, in high up places of leadership, former YWAMERS, former, um, yeah, spirit-filled believers that all they want is God. Um, I, I want to pray that the Lord, I, I just want to pray for them And because here's what I want you all to know. And I think we all need to realize this. In the midst of the chaos, right? And the first time I went to Israel, I, I got hit. It wasn't with this overwhelming love for Israel, even though I I did. When I left Israel the first time, I was overwhelmed with his sovereignty. And what I mean with that is From the days of Adam and Eve up until today, God has been unveiling a story of his move on in the globe. And right now, we are seeing a precipice, like a pinnacle of salvations globally. And so, even though you might have all this chaos and there's war here, and I'm not saying it's not important. It's it's so important. Know that that there's a narrative that God is in control. I don't fully understand it. But as I stood in Israel and I had the word in front of me, he, he, what is it? Like 85 of the prophecies in the old, old new Testament have already come to pass. Like, like he's, he's doing something in the midst of all this, but let's pray for the right now, because just as much as he has his master plan, he stops for the one and he cares about the child. He cares about the son that's on the front lines. He cares about the daughter that's in a hospital right now mm-hmm. with, with no electricity and no running water. And, uh, and that's the beauty of our God. He's big vision and he's individual all at the same time. So father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, so many might be feeling really overwhelmed right now and rightfully so rightfully so it looks like everything's chaos but jesus i ask god that you would come and bring your peace the peace that Liam was talking about peace in the middle of the storm and that you would it would speak to the leaders god of these nations of these movements of of hamas lord all of them just speak to them lord and if you won't speak to the leaders lord speak to the people that are serving lord speak to the people that are giving themselves lord I ask that your voice would come and and shout into each and every one who has ears to hear God. And I ask that you would move, Lord, that you would move, Lord, as everything is coming together, Lord, even in the next few years, the elections in the States, all of that, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would speak, Lord. We trust you. King Jesus, we trust you. Whether we get it or not, understand it or not, we trust you. And Lord, I do pray for those who you have put in place, who you have ordained to put in place, Lord, who you have, from the time they were children, raised them up with a skill set and a gift mix. God, I ask you would call them to stand up and cry out for peace and justice to reign. Yeah, in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. And over everyone watching, Lord, I ask that you would, Prince of Peace, walk into their house, walk into their car, walk into their room tonight and meet with them. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen
0: Wow Wow Thank you Will so much Oh my gosh Guys If this has really blessed you Please 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 Share this with a friend A family member A neighbor A coworker. Just get it out there And um, I tell you what My life has just been so impacted Over the last 30 minutes or so And so Will Thank you so 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 much For jumping in here Bless you and Musi And Iris And Heidi and And everyone that uh, is on the front lines um, Doing what you're doing And uh, this has just been such an honor. I really appreciate it. So thank you, friends, for jumping in here. Um, Remember, uh, Leanne Goff, the transformational coach, your transformational coach. And uh, until next time, God bless you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Have you received your copy of my book, Missionary and Millionaire, Transforming Cultures as Priests and Kings? I wrote this book to help believers, God's sons and daughters, understand that he has given us, as Deuteronomy 8.18 says, The ability to generate wealth so that we can impact and transform cultures, communities, cities, and nations. Jesus was priest and king, and I truly believe God intends for all of us to live out our assignments as priests and kings as well. Grab a copy of my book, Missionary and Millionaire, Transforming Cultures as Priests and Kings, at Amazon or at Ministries.org.